Rodgers, almost going to fall for Martinez. Antonov trying to get there. Martinez finishes to give away the match. It's an absolute peach from the Paraguayan, Miguel Almiron. Atlanta United in just their second year of existence have won MLS Cup. Patrick final Jason Jones from the mothership Joe Patrick from 99 the game Jersey Soccer is over there. Joe, this is gonna be one of those ones where everyone's just gonna call me contrarian because I'm gonna be one of the few people that's actually, I think, positive from this. So, oh, okay. so can't wait. Can't wait. All right. Normally, normally I'm the grumpy one. Nah, this week it's y'all. <laughs> I thought I was going to be the contrarian with the kind of they're they're going to be you know split as negative takes or whatever it is uh, because I just I don't know I just didn't think the team played as well but we'll obviously discuss it it was you know it's I was just watching the highlights and yeah. seeing Guzan out there just knowing what we know now very sad and I gotta say that when I came home like that was my takeaway what I was feeling was kind of just kind of bummed out over the Guzan thing because it really was a cloud over the whole press conference and it was just just my last experience of. Being at the stadium last night was talking to people and talking about his injury and just just really sad to see that happen. So, um, you know, we'll talk about him a little bit more, but just off the top here, just best wishes to him and his family and hope he hopefully he can recover well. Um, who knows what the future holds? But yeah, that's that was uh, obviously one of the big storylines coming out of the game yesterday. Yeah, no, we talked on the Patreon about how the mood seemed better this week around the training grounds. Mm-hmm. You know, Joseph was getting a surgery and had that completed and everything like that. And, you know, we, we didn't have to ask questions about Ozzy being out and everything like that. So at least we didn't have to like deal with it at the time. And the team mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily having it fresh in their minds. And now there's this whole other miserable ass thing to deal with. Joe, I think that's, I'm going to put it up there in like a top three worst sports injuries I've ever seen in person, just for the nature of it, because he makes that first step and immediately goes and, and it's so incredibly apparent that something awful has happened. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, it, it's way up there for me. And, and I've seen some rough ones, man. Yeah. Whenever it's non-contact like that in general, you know, it's bad, but just especially in that case, there was just nobody around. It's not like he was even the in the action. rolling toward him and there's nothing he can really do about it. it just yeah. Seems and then when he gets he's on the ground, sense. he's just kind of like his arms are up in the air, like, please help. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was like he just needed help. It was, it was bad to watch. And I was trying to figure out what it was because it was so innocuous with the non-contact aspect of it. We were all trying to wonder. I thought it was a knee. I thought he, that he had said to George, like, it's my knee, but obviously like Achilles kind of I'm a bad lip reader. Um, yeah, it's, it's a shame. Yeah. And it's a big, big issue for this team. Well, we're going to talk about it all. We're going to talk about the contrarian opinions whatever those happen to be i guess we got to decide what the contrarian opinion actually is for all this <laughs> we're going to talk about the injuries we got some rumors to talk about we have a whole lot to get to from a weirdly eventful nil nil draw with sc cincinnati but first couple things to get to credit kurt castle on the intro the song is chances you can check him out on spotify at kurt castle and wherever else you find your music uh, go buy his stuff i'm sure he's got a show coming up sometime soon go check it out thanks kurt uh, also go check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash five stripe final, whole lot of good stuff coming to you there. We do have a, not, we don't have a date yet 
for this, but we are going to talk to a doctor who specializes in ACL surgeries and everything like that. Should be able to tell us a lot. I guess now we have to ask about Achilles. Well, got to get an Achilles. Yeah. Got to get Great. our Achilles questions in now. Awesome. So th- that'll be coming up soon on the Patreon, along with a whole lot of other interviews, along with our on review segments where I go through some video clips and some stats and whatnot. Some on preview segments, which I preview the other team now with some video and stuff that I can pull. Lots of good stuff going on there as well as training ground reports patreon.com slash five stripe final all right let's get into it i guess this is this is business time I gotta do the sad one again yeah. i gotta do like the slow down like <laughs> the half like tempo beginning uh, of the yeah, yeah. <laughs> beginning of the welcome to the black parade or whatever business time yeah <laughs> business time Joe Patrick. Um, so confirmed after the game, I was listening to y'all do the press conference and, and living through y'all vicariously as I exited the stadium. I, I was at the game as a fan uh, in this one. And I've, I think you may have asked this what the nature of the injury was. Mm-hmm. It's an, it looks like an Achilles tail tear yeah. for, for Brad Kazan. Yeah, they didn't want to elaborate on the extent of the injury, but uh, I, I asked him, I wanted to clear, get clarification because I just didn't know what the injury was. So I asked if it was a knee and he said it was an Achilles. And then as soon as Gonzalo Pineda said it was an Achilles, that was all he literally, literally all he said in response. And it kind of everybody in the room at that point understood what that meant and why everybody was so dev- looking so devastated. I mean, when Gonzalo Pineda came in, he looked absolutely miserable. And I th- thought he was going to be furious about like the results and the performance and all that. But, you know, he he said it. It was clearly because of Guzan. And, um, you know, it's going to be very interesting for this team because, first of all, on the roster, it's actually maybe a good thing that they didn't try to go out and replace Ozzy Alonso because now they are definitely going to need to use that season injury replacement player on a goalkeeper to bring in to just help bolster the roster because they don't have a backup right now. They've got you know sure. two of the three goalkeepers, if you include Dylan Castanera, that which when that news came down the pike a couple weeks ago, because it came at the same time with Mateus Rosetto and Ozzy Alonso and Joseph Martinez, nobody really it kind of got swept under the rug and he wasn't going to be a big part anyway. But now his loss is huge with the same exact injury and Achilles tear that it, we think that Brad Guzan has. I assume we'll get that confirmed probably tomorrow by the team that it, it isn't a torn Achilles. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're going to have to replace him on the roster. And the good news, I guess, is that you have Bobby Shuttleworth, who is a very experienced goalkeeper in this league, who I, I think will be he'll be more than capable in terms of picking up the slack in terms of the shot stopping and just doing what he has to do as a goalkeeper. But we all know the reason we're talking about this and the reason that this injury was so impactful is because Braguzan is one of, if not the kind of true leader on this team, especially in the media, especially publicly. And so that's why it's going to be so devastating for a lot of these players and could be difficult for them to move on because they don't have that kind of leadership voice in the back. You know, the goalkeeper is that one who's always yelling. Remember when we heard from him, (laughs) heard him yelling at his team uh, in the preseason game (laughs) against uh, the storm. I think it was right. Uh, And he's just like, he never shuts up. And that's, you know, the leadership that you get from a goalkeeper. And now um, you're not going to have that voice behind you, especially I'm thinking about the young, you know, center backs and George Campbell and Alan Franco, who, who really kind of, need that guidance um, from their goalkeeper. So it's going to be tough to, to move beyond that. Totally. No, he helps organize the back line. He helps organize the entire team. Really. When you, when you kind of think about it, what he offers in training, what he offers in the locker room and everything like that. I, I know sometimes I'm personally kind of dismissive of, of leadership being like this massive thing. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but w- when you drop two guys like Ozzy and Brad back to back, morale is a thing, right? You do feel demoralized and, and maybe even cursed at this point as a team if, if these things kind of keep piling up without really anyone with a large personality to to necessarily turn to at this point, you yep. know, and, and kind of guide you through that and, and someone with the experience to guide a team through that and understand, no, okay, wait, we're one fifth of the season. We still got a lot of ways to go. There's plenty of time to recover all this and make it all work. You know, it's lacking in, in those kind of voices right now. And I'm curious to see how it all kind of pans out. Wanted to make a few quick notes about Shuttleworth. I kind of pulled his numbers. Just typed it into ASA, right? Um, <laughs> and uh, he's been around forever, y'all. Yeah. I, I didn't realize yeah. this at all. But, I mean, 2009 was when he entered the league. He's been with a, a few different teams, largely with New England has had a lot of up and down kind of seasons. He has had some really, really good seasons Hmm. as well. In 2014, uh, 5.67 goals added, which is really, really solid, I think, for the most part Mm -hmm. uh, over the course of a season. But then like in 2016, just two years later, uh, minus 5.52 goals added (laughs) as a goalkeeper. So, I mean, he really kind of runs the gamut of kind of going up and down and up and down. His most recent full season, 2021 in Chicago, uh, about average, about mm-hmm. exactly average goals added a year before that, a little bit better. So he is competent, right? I, I don't know what he's going to be like this year. I don't know if he'll retain the starting job the entire time. I don't know how much Atlanta will be looking to, to bring someone else in to fill that position. But, you know, it's a massive blow for all the reasons we talked about for just the like general shock of it all to watch it happen the way it did. It kind of sucks. Yeah. And uh, Brad Guzan also uh, shouldn't go and notice how much of a leader he is on the pitch, on the training ground. And I was just thinking of a great story that Ryan Catanese told on one of the first shows we did a five stripe final. So if you haven't heard that episode, go back and listen to it. He tells a really funny story about Brad Guzan when he first came into the team. Remember, he came in halfway through the season. I forget where he was. Uh, Birmingham or Aston Villas. He was he was somewhere before Atlanta and they couldn't get him till the till the middle of the season when his contract ran out. And uh, he came in in one of his first training sessions. He like kind of came out of goal coming at Joseph, who was obviously the big star at the time uh, and challenged him, you know, uh, on the training ground. Just he brought that kind of competitive edge. And we've seen it. Gonzalo Pineda likes to have that kind of real competition on the training ground. Um, and it's great to have, you know, one of your team leaders that helps bring that. Um, Miles Robinson spoke after the game about him and looked like he was like about he was like kind of like holding everything in like he was. He was not really making any eye contact with the media. He was kind of curling the the cloth on the on the table like he was just really kind of deep in his thoughts. He said it's definitely devastating. It means he means so much to this team. He's a true leader. His energy is contagious. Obviously, he's a veteran. He's played in Europe before uh, and you have nothing but praise for him as a player. So it's definitely tough for us, especially me. He's been a leader in my career so far. So definitely tough to take in. But it's something you process with time. And I thought that that was interesting. All that uh, also that he mentioned the European part, just how much he's respected as a player in his career who's done a lot of things been to world cups and and been a leader in that respect as well i'll be honest i I skipped out for like like i think a second there and i thought you were talking about how much of a leader brad had been in your career for some reason (laughs) and i was like wow i didn't i didn't know this i didn't know y'all were so close um he will be missed by me i I will miss him because he's great with media 
he's always good with media. Uh, we've always appreciated that. And man, it's kind of like Ozzy. You, you hope you see him back at some point. But yeah. these are my understanding is that these are the kind of injuries that this late in a career, again, Brad's 37, can, can really kind of spell the end for these sort of things. Not to be entirely gloom and doom, but Achilles seems pretty important for what Brad Gazan does. And, and yeah, it's exactly. Maybe entirely surprising that him and Castanera had similar injuries doing what they do, right? Yeah, so, they're really putting again, a lot of load on that on that tendon right there, trying to make those sprawling dives. Exactly, exactly. So we'll save most of that conjecture for our Ask a Doctor show <laughs> yeah. in a little bit, right? We, we don't want to guess too much on that, but um, we've seen it before in Atlanta that this Achilles injuries can be tough to deal with. Is it is it Soroka that Mike Soroka. has had the issues for yeah. Atlanta, for yeah. the Braves? Um, so... That has been a total issue for him over the next couple of years. And, you know, Brad Gazan doesn't have a couple of years, you know, yeah. to really kind of get back, I don't think. Yeah. So it's tough. Next year is the last year on his contract as it stands right now. So, hmm. uh, and again, this is a guy who took a pay cut for the team mm-hmm. this offseason to our understanding. So yeah. clearly cared. And now it's a bummer. But you guys had questions about what's next. Yep. Joe, I, I'm going to kind of tee you up for this one because I think. This is very similar to the stuff you were talking about with Ozzy Alonso on the Patreon a while back. Let's go Ducks 96 asked this. He says, so if Brad is out for the year, what kind of salary help would we get in this case? Can you kind of illuminate anything on that? Uh, I don't have the rule pulled up in front of me right now, but I will say that it is not a ton of relief. I mean, the uh, Atlanta United will essentially be able to spend like two hundred fifty thousand dollars on a on a player you know on a goalkeeper Jeez, which man. is which is going to be essentially a a backup you know kind of mm-hmm. a they it might be somebody from usl from like a, like, a, like a top usl goalkeeper maybe coming in something like that that's the kind of caliber of player you're looking at being able to bring in and um unfortunately that's just that's just how it goes so you never know i mean maybe maybe a goalkeeper they bring in is decent but i don't think that um if anybody's wondering about the goalkeepers that atlanta united has right now with the twos i don't see any of them as being ready um uh shoot vicente reyes (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh is is maybe the the highest thought of prospect also justin gar says who's on a homegrown player deal but these are just still developmental players and i i have to imagine that atlanta united will want to bring in a veteran more along the lines of of bobby shuttleworth if they can but if not they'll go with somebody who's as experienced as possible maybe even in form who's been playing in usl recently all makes sense to me all makes sense to me garces is interesting to me i think garces may eventually potentially see some time but he kind of seemed when they made the homegrown signing, it kind of seemed like he might be a guy who they plan to maybe integrate once Brad left, uh-huh. right? But uh-huh. that was, you know, probably in their minds, a year well, down, two the down the road. Yeah. You know? yeah. So accelerated timeline. We'll see how it kind of pans out. Of course, Shuttleworth there should be should be fine. Yeah. Right. Both both Reyes and Garces, I think, are still exciting prospects for the long term. But what you're looking at right now is you just need somebody who's going to come in and be able to play out the rest of the season just short term, which you didn't really have Garces or Reyes chalked in to do anyway, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's nothing against them. It's just not really what the need is for the club at this point in time. And you wouldn't want the keeper having to like miss two's matches to come up and sit on the bench for the first team, you know. So you, you want them playing as much as possible. Exactly. Exactly. So we'll see how that kind of ends up working out. It Again, we talked about this before in MLS. You just kind of need your keeper to not lose you games. If yeah, they're exactly. not going to be a total match winner, 
like you know the top four or five keepers are in this league. You just need them to not lose you games. Mm-hmm. I, I think Shuttle's worth. I think Shuttleworth is is more than capable. Definitely of that at this point. I'm actually, so. I'm actually, I feel like Atlanta United is in is in as pretty as good a hands as they could be in terms of the backup that they have coming in. Um, yeah, for sure. It, I mean, we talked. Maybe they could before. have been a better. Maybe maybe if Alec Can was the backup, it would have no, been a little bit better. Say, right? <laughs> <laughs> we talked before about that. Look, our, our frustration with that was more along the lines of just not getting compensation from them rather yeah. than letting them go. You know, there's no way anyone could have predicted that this would have happened, right? So, but man, it did feel weird to to see him play probably his best game of the year, if I had to guess. Maybe there's an argument for the game you played against Orlando City, but probably his best game of the year and then have that happen all at the same time. It did not feel good from an Atlanta perspective at all. I mean, the penalty save, it's almost like you could see it coming. It was like it's a classic like storybook (laughs) thing for the sports writer, the, you know, the ink stained red sports writer to, yeah, write up a column. I have to admit, I was in the stands and everyone else like immediately like recoiled and hands in their head and, and all that kind of thing. I started cackling like an idiot, you know, I started laughing it, it, just who I am. I guess I found it very funny. We'll talk more about that later. Yeah. I want to know a whole lot of injuries piling up for Atlanta United. And we've had questions about that. And obviously we, we see them being posed by people on Twitter and everything like that. And we see a lot of like, I've seen a lot of like you journalist lately. Yeah, I know. It's like super yeah, yeah, weird. Yeah. Like, whoa, yeah. whoa, won't, whoa, hold, whoa. won't hold the club to account <laughs> for all the injuries. <laughs> what? what to... Anyway, um, because USMNT Twitter is leaking. Oh, no. Uh, Grisessa <laughs> asked this. He says, all these injuries have been unlucky, but it's certainly looking like a trend now. How can we better protect our players and what part should the sports science team play in the Nobby? As with all the injuries lately, journalists don't think looking into training medical staff is necessary. At what point do y'all think it will be? Two goalies out with Achilles injuries in two weeks, two hamstring injuries in a few weeks plus more. Can these all truly just be bad luck? And I think we kind of answered our own question there at the very end. I think it's just bad luck, y'all. I don't know how you're supposed to plan and train to avoid these kind of fluke injuries, honestly, these non-contact stuff, this, uh, these tears, right? Like the hamstring stuff I can get like, okay, maybe they didn't, uh, progress their physics, progress the players physically enough, right. In the right way in preseason, et cetera, et cetera. And they push themselves too hard early mm-hmm. in the year kind of leads to a little bit of a tweak, but he's full on ACL tears. Those build up over time. The Achilles stuff that truly, truly seems random. And maybe a product of time as well. Again, we'll have our Ask a Doctor show later. But y'all, I, some teams are just bad luck. Yeah, right? I mean, and when you look at the hamstring pulls, I mean, Luis Araujo's happened 20 minutes into the first game of the season. Maybe people will say that that's the re- maybe that's more of a reason why we should be skeptical about uh, you know what's been going on or whatever. But I mean, we know that Gonzalo Pineda especially is careful about this stuff. We talked we've talked about it plenty when he had the whole you know miles robinson's 
Sky Miles receipts uh, in the press conference, talking, right. you know, defending why he didn't play him, where he was literally resting players because of overuse. So I think that he's more than willing to to not play a player if he feels like he's in danger of something like that. And so that's why mm-hmm. it is surprising to see. And, you know, when when Luis Araujo tore that, that, that hamstring, uh, which thankfully he's coming back, he appeared today uh, or yesterday, made his come his first appearance since that injury. We were I was at least happy that he like was one of the few players that had a full, smooth preseason. He was basically in every training session from beginning to end, which is great. That's exactly what you want for a player in pre in, in preseason to get, get that fitness mm-hmm. built up. So I thought he was going to be in the best shape of anybody coming in the season. And, you know, it happens. So <laughs> I don't know. Again, if if uh, people are mad about, you know, the journalists the club is obviously not going to have anything to say about this, but we can have on a doctor who can <laughs> yeah, talk about it. So all we're guys. going, that's we, what they're going to say, right? We just, we, <laughs> we're just waiting for our appointment with the doc so we can, so we can talk to him <laughs> about these things. So just, man, look, this isn't Gabby, right? Like this isn't yeah. someone who, who blatantly came out and said, you know, I don't really know about this whole science thing. Right. This is yeah. someone who's, who's been following this stuff from the very beginning is clearly in tune with his sports medicine staff. Isn't, outright ignoring it right like cares deeply about these things <laughs> remember it, literally Heinze literally said the day <laughs> yeah. I start like listening to sports scientists is like the day I retire or something something along those lines <laughs> <Yeah>. remember exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh man I was in regards uh, to I think Joseph or something yeah that, so this is not that this is not that this is uh, a, a string of bad luck I think as frustrating as it is. And I know that things have to have a scapegoat, right? Sometimes things just can't be because that's we are as people. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It feels like you need to have some answer to this problem. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know what? I'll say this. If it does maybe continue in some aspect over the course of the season to an extent that is totally beyond the rest of MLS, which right now it is, but we're early in the season, right? Mm. Collectively, I bet this all evens out somewhat over time, you know, but I don't know. Until then, I, I'm i not sharpening my pitchfork. I'm just not. Yeah, I would also I would say that if there is some sort of problem that those soft t- tissue injuries, the, the hamstring pulls and things like that are probably more. Uh, of a sign of something going on, not the Achilles tears and the ACL tear, which obviously seem more important because they are more devastating injuries in terms of the impact that they leave on a player and how much time they'll miss. Um, but, you know, Ozzy Alonso, his foot was planted and got run into, you know, and his knee twisted. So mm-hmm. what are you going to do about that? It's just part of the game. Also part of the game, Joe Patrick, is bringing in new players. And maybe we can be a little more positive with this one. Maybe. I don't really know. I, I'm kind of scared to, to tell folks what, what the reaction I got to this was. We had a question about Matthew Hoppy. Uh, yes, the the winger. We believe that that's uh, how you pronounce his name. USMNT expert, J. Sam Jones here. You're right. Look, he's one of those guys that's been floating around the national team for a while. Maybe hasn't uh, found his way like some folks had kind of hoped. He's been rumored to be linked with Atlanta United and what I believe would be a U-22 deal, from my yes. understanding, uh, from the report. We don't know the credibility of that. We don't know how true it'll be. We don't know the the... I don't know the, the mechanisms necessary to make that 
work. I'd be kind of surprised if he was eligible for U22, but maybe it would make sense if I thought about it harder, right? I will say that we did have a question about this from Chris Herbert who said, Matthew Hoppy, discuss. I reached out to a couple of folks who cover the USMNT or at least like follow it intently enough to be able to write words that people are like, yeah, these are good words. (laughs) I got back a crying, laughing emoji and wow, with a whole bunch of W's. So the response I got to this rumor was not super positive. I I can't tell you anything really beyond that, but uh, these are folks I, I would trust with their response and uh, maybe I'm not super encouraged by that. That's interesting. I would not have thought that that would have been the response. Cause when I first heard the rumor, I thought that sounds pretty good. I mean, I mean, he's been in around the national team. He's, he's 21 years old. So he would be under, in, under the 22. Um, he can, you know, play in the forward line. I'm looking He Okay. So he came up with the LA galaxy has been in the Barcelona residency program, played at Schalke, obviously. That's where he kind of broke in, I think, with some Champions League goals. Did he score a hat trick? Yes, he did. Hoppy mm-hmm. became the first American to score a hat trick in, uh, in the Bundesliga. Um, so he's had, you know, he's had some success. It's not like he's done nothing, but clearly he's, you know, not done anything as of late. And it is concerning to hear that response, Sam, because it reminds <laughs> me of the exact same response I got from like people around the league I was talking to when there was the rumors about Jurgen Dam coming down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that gives me a little reason to worry. Uh, but. Uh, a lot more room for growth for, for Hoppy over, over Dom. He's just 21. So we'll see how it goes. It, I don't honestly feel confident in this coming to fruition, but it's something to keep an eye on All it, right, Joe, it, it, it almost feels like uh, just sorry just really quickly it almost feels like a very similar scenario to emerson hyman although probably not giving getting the emerson hyman money but just kind of a player who has been in and around the outskirts of the national team playing in europe trying to kind of get its get their footing get regular playing time so it, it seems like it would definitely fit the the kind of the track of what atlanta united likes to look for in terms of these young players there's a larger discussion to be had about how Atlanta United needs to use that U22 spot they have open. And if a winger like that is is the right choice, I don't want to have it right now. We're like 26 minutes in. We haven't even talked about the game yet. Let's do that right now. <laughs> Let's do it. In sports, prime game time. Turn the Braves on. Yep, I got them on right here. I got them on right there. Good. Boys of Summer. This camo? It's gross. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why they do that. Do they have like a face right there? Is that like an old like Navy yard right? or something? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sports Prime game time, Joe Patrick. And that was pretty eventful. No, no draw. It's maybe too eventful. It's kind of uh, crazy. It's kind of crazy that neither team scored because both teams had chances. Actually, most of Cincinnati's actually maybe all of Cincinnati's basically came in the first half. They, it seems like they really did mm-hmm. nothing in the second half, but they definitely had some chances. And obviously Atlanta United had plenty of chances. Unfortunately, was not able to capitalize. Yeah, and some of those chances didn't even register for Cincy. Like there were there were a couple like Brandon Vasquez moments where it went, oh man, if he had been a step behind or or something like that, if that ball had been right in front of him, 
really, really could have been scary if he had stayed hot in this one, then Atlanta really could have been in trouble. At the same time, if Atlanta had finished like literally anything, they would have been fine, including a penalty from Marcelo Moreno. Final XG tally in this one per Opta 3.3 to 0.9. I thought it was the best game they played in the last three weeks, right? And I know people are kind of kind of bristle at that because it was a nil-nil draw to Cincinnati at home, but Cincinnati hasn't been playing quite like Cincinnati lately. They're still pretty miserable defensively, but it's a, that's a decent... Okay, I'm not going to talk myself into that. It was not a good result. <laughs> you don't want to do, sure. go nil-nil against Cincinnati, but if I'm trying to be consistent here and, and continue to take things away from the chances created and the way Atlanta United plays, I thought this was the best game of the last three weeks, and I thought they found more balance in this team. I thought it wasn't so one-sided in how they're creating and it wasn't quite so predictable. I thought they pulled Cincinnati apart a few times with some really clever and, and well-placed diagonals, which could have been better placed and could have like been run onto and everything like that. I was really encouraged by Caleb Wiley. There's a lot to get into here that was really encouraging, I thought. No doubt. And you're totally right on the diagonals. I thought that the team did really well, especially Santiago Sosa, really picking out a lot of those players. It was usually Brooks Lennon on the right who was getting into the getting in behind, really, even though from his fullback position, getting in behind. And then on the left, you got to be ecstatic with what you saw from Caleb Wiley. It really felt like a breakout game for him, like the kind of game that can change the trajectory of a player season. And for a player like him at 17 years old, like it, it almost like a career changing kind of game where you like you force Gonzalo Pineda to now play you more after, Mm -hmm. after seeing that performance. I mean, he looked really good and I'm wondering if he was, I think he probably will start to get more opportunities as a straight up left winger. Like we saw him yesterday and uh, Gonzalo Pineda pointed out that that's where he played when he scored his goal against SKC, where he came in as a sub in the opening game of the season and scored. Um, just really, really impressive. You know, the, he had some dribbling moves on the the one that created the mm-hmm. the chance for Cisneros, and then the penalty, the penalty on the handball yep. was a, a fantastic dribble into the box, and and then a, a decent serve, ball of service in. Um, just very, very excited to see that. So th- th- there were definitely some positives coming out of the game. That dribble that created the penalty, he attacked space in the way that we always thought Andrew Carlton was going to grow into, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but never did. Because Andrew Carlton never had that physical ability. Yeah. The way Caleb did. And we've talked about this before. The first time we saw Caleb when he scored that goal against SKC, he does not look like a 17 year old. Yeah. In so many respects, but also physically. And right. Like he just moves so well. And he's as old. You talk about the the physical difference, which is drastic, I would say, between Mm -hmm. where Caleb Wiley is and Andrew Carlton. And Caleb Wiley is about the same age right now as Carlton was like in that 2017 season. I think probably the same age, 17 years old. I believe they were. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> it's, just, it's just kind of crazy to think about like how how much he was hyped and just like kind of how underdeveloped he was at the time. Um, but yeah. that's a whole other conversation. That's a conversation for sure. <laughs> what we can say Someone is that yeah, Caleb is on a really good track right now. Someone made a good point in the Discord. I think it was Ty in the Discord who mentioned that as good as Caleb is up top, his value in the future is probably going to be at left back to have 
the ability to play defensively and get forward and have the physical ability and everything like that in one package is extremely valuable. And so he, he probably will be left back eventually, right? But for now, I think you lead the dude up top and let him cook because he clearly has the ability on the ball. He clearly has decision-making ability. He clearly understands what he's being asked to do tactically in a lot of ways. And there were so many moments yesterday where I just kind of came away thinking like, I don't know how he got out of that and made yeah. that effective. I was attending the game as a fan. I kind of mentioned this already, but I was in the stands. Shout out Jake who helped me out with that. That was extremely clutch from him. I was super excited to just not be in the press box for the first time in like four years. I think I had a blast. Um, but where I was kind of sitting at, there was kind of moments where you can't really see the the touchline right, right in front right. of you. And Caleb would be right there and two guys would run right at him. And I couldn't really see the ball. And then the ball would just pop out and be on the way towards Andrew Gutman <laughs> running perfectly in the path of it. I'm like, what the, what the hell did he just do? And I went back and watched the video and it's like, oh, he just destroyed two guys. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. You know, and that's the kind of thing he was doing relatively consistently. These weren't fluky moments. These were moments, again, that kind of helped maintain the balance. Right. And it's going to be really hard to take him out of the lineup. And it's going to be interesting to see what they do, considering that. Luis Eruju came back, right? Because mm-hmm. in theory, you'd put Wiley and Eruju on the wing, right? And, and that does leave out either Almada or Marcy, potentially. Mm-hmm. Or you say, screw it, go Marcy, Almada, Wiley, Eruju, and just put Santiago Sosa back there on an island. Hell, the Revs have done it for a year <laughs> and a half now, right? Yeah, Where you have yeah. Matt Polster sitting way back there, just hanging on for dear life. Good luck, Santi. <laughs> yeah, it's no all doubt. Thought, but I mean, main maybe, thought is Caleb very good. Yeah, and maybe he does not start every single game, but Gonzalo Pineda can use him as a sub, like a, a legitimate impactful sub, and like a, you know a, a sub that can come in and play thirty minutes or something for you. But you know the other thing that he has, they didn't go mention because I, it's just plainly obvious, but it's just the pace. Like, and Atlanta United. Mm-hmm needs that pace so bad like they really seem to lack seem like they've lacked that just just flat out speed on the wings for a long time and it was just so evident uh how how important that can be and obviously it has to come in tandem with a lot of those other things that you talked about that are a lot more uh intricate and maybe like you know uh traits that take time to develop in terms of finding angles and passes and things like that. But it's just so promising. And, you know, Gareth Bale was a left back until he started playing <laughs> left, you know, playing left wing because Harry uh-huh. Redknapp just needed a place in the squad for him. And then he becomes one of the best players in the world. Not, you know, trying to put that on Caleb Wiley. But my point is that with a player that young, you don't know what you have. Like, and that's kind of uh-huh. like, I want to try to ask Gonzalo Pineda about that a little bit after the game. And we got into it a little bit, but I, I want to get into him get into it with him more as we progress here these next couple weeks like what do you have in this player because he could be something really special and maybe he is just a winger for for a while i mean you know i mean he would actually like if you're looking at transfer values he would be more valuable as a winger like attacking players are just more valuable commodities on the transfer market because they are more impactful in game so um yeah, I mean, there's a whole lot to discuss with Caleb Wiley, but it's just really exciting to see. And I thought he was maybe the biggest takeaway from the game. I think I'd agree with that. I think I'd agree with that. At least the most instantly impressive, right? Because some of the stuff we already knew, right? Like we knew Andrew Gutman is a crazy person and that he's probably not a striker, which we'll talk about that in a second. 
why Andrew Gutman was the one <laughs> with the highest XG at the end of the day. <laughs> Interesting, right? Um, <laughs> lot to get to there and a few other things to check on as well. But I want to read this from Gonzalo Pineda to kind of frame everything else. That's kind of like last week, right? Where we had a, a quote that I thought Gonzalo did a really nice job of, of kind of summing up everything. Uh, stay with me here as I read. It says, uh, on if he's happy with the type of chances Atlanta created. It says, yes, it can be better. But today, there are almost four clear chances inside the six. So I'm happy with that, but it's something we have to continue to progress. Many times you saw Brooks Lennon or Caleb Wiley crossing in the first half, and they didn't connect with someone. I need that to be a connection. I need them to find someone in the box, either with a cutback or a cross to the far post. We need to connect those crosses. A lot of that is composure and quality on the ball understanding who's available, how many numbers you have inside the box, and seeing the runs. There are a lot of things, and one thing we haven't had is a lot of time to work with all the different parts. Ronaldo Cisneros just arrived a couple of weeks ago. Tiago Almada is now integrated fully. fully. Luis Araujo is now back. Now we are trying to put everything together. Honestly, if Brad's injury didn't happen, I would have been very happy with the performance of the team tonight. So once again, Gonzalo just kind of does the, the whole show for us in one <laughs> conference quote right I, I agree with a lot of that i agree with a lot of that i thought there were a lot of opportunities that didn't turn into mm-hmm. xg related chances that there mm-hmm. really could have been huge in particular i remember andrew gutman one time went across goal for some reason when he was like maybe eight yards out from goal and could have just shot <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah you could see the thought process but it was the wrong thought process mm-hmm. <laughs> you know um, yeah. there were moments like that where atlanta was getting into those primary assist zones on the edge of the box and towards the end line that really could have been effective and if they continue to do that that's exciting i was just looking as i said mentioned earlier i was watching the highlights of this game before we just recorded here today and some of those chances that uh, Wiley and Gutman were kind of creating in that first half where they were kind of linking up on that left side. And you you mentioned it, the one where uh, Gutman put in the cross instead of the shot like those highlights weren't even on the they weren't even on the highlight reel because they didn't result in a shot. You know, the, the highlights mm-hmm. are just you know, a, a compilation of all the the biggest chances of the game. And technically, those didn't result in chances, even though I thought that that was some of the best play that the team had in the game was just some of that interplay there. And I think, you know, credit to Gutman as well. I think he's such a dynamic left back in terms of his bravery and what he is willing to do. He'll, he, he'll come inside. He'll do all kinds of different things, um, which is great. I mean, there were multiple times where he was basically a striker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For which better I, or worse. I love to see that. I love to see a player who will um, break the bounds of what is typical, you know, of uh, the traditional movements. I was talking with Felipe about this uh, during the game as well, where it seems like Atlanta United has had a propensity at times over the last couple seasons to just, you know, try to do everything the right way, the quote unquote right way, you know, <laughs> do the yeah. do the traditional movements and stuff. And sometimes that's why it gets stagnant. And he was talking about it in the context with Tiago Almada, where he really liked Tiago Almada's. He would make these little diagonal runs like from the cent- from central areas. He would like cut in diagonally from one way and, and players were finding him. It was just an interesting movement that you haven't seen many Atlanta United players make. And um, that was also, a, you know, a, a positive part of Atlanta's play. Um, can I can I get into the XG stuff uh, that I was talking about before we got the show or, or my yeah, jumping absolutely. the gun? Say it. OK, so no, for so I, I, I went in the press conference. I asked the first question, which I wanted to kind of be open ended. And I kind of feel bad about how I asked the question because I editorialized at the end. <laughs> and I just I said, you know, what do you think about the game? Were you concerned about, you know, 
the team in the attack and obviously Gonzalo Pineda was not concerned about the team in the attack based on what he said and he referenced the expected goals Atlanta ended up creating at 3.35 xg in the game um which I had not looked at the stats at that point when I asked the question and I was very surprised that that was the case I went back and looked and I wanted to tally up some of them so uh, Ronaldo Cisneros. It was on the Caleb Wiley on the play that resulted in the handball. Cisneros got like a like a shot in on goal right before that, and that was actually what the handball was on was off of his shot. So that shot was 0.764 of expected goals. Then of course you get the handball basically in that same exact moment. That's seven point seven eight eight expected goals. So that's like over one point five expected goals right there in that one snapshot of a moment. Then you've got the next the other two big chances. There were four big chances that Gonzalo Pineda referenced in that answer. The other two big chances were the big one by uh, by Gutman, where he said that he crapped the bed, which was a great quote. <laughs> point point six one eight. That was in the 95th minute. And then he got a header. At the very, very end of the game, may have been like one of the last touches of the ball. That was 3.51. That was registered also as a big chance created. So you take those four chances that happened total in a space of like, you know, the first two happened literally in the same instant and the other two happened three minutes apart and then at a time that accounted for 2.5 expected goal goals of the 3.35. The remainder Atlanta United had 18 shots in the game outside of those four. That totaled 0.8 expected goals. That is 0.04 expected goals per shot. So I know I just threw a lot out there, but it just goes to show that I think, and that's what it was Felipe who asked that question that you referenced uh, Pineda's answer to there and the quality of the chances. And I think that there is a case to be made that you want to see actually more of some of the, the ones we were talking about with Wiley and Gutman. And some of that mm-hmm. interplay, like that's actually the good stuff that didn't happen to result in shots taken, ironically. Um, but actually, I like that part of Atlanta's game coming out of this more than some of the big chances that were created. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I mean, I think, you know, if, you, if you're creating four clear cut chances a game, you're doing pretty OK. Definitely. They should have scored. Right? No but, doubt. But I, yeah. Yeah. But I totally get the context there. And I think you're making a fair point that, you know, without those four moments the the quality generally wasn't there right the especially against a team that was getting pulled apart and where it seemed like atlanta really could have capitalized on a lot of chances in a major way and eventually a team who went down to 10 men right yeah which in a way made it worse they were you know two banks of four at that point then they just bunkered vasquez up top and just whatever right um so they were piling on the shots at that point which is going to affect the shot quality a little bit right but I get what you're saying and I totally understand why, you know, I, I think it all makes sense to say, okay, they, they created the chances, but in the end, it's still a no, no draw Cincinnati. I, I kind of land on the side of being positive. Sure. Largely I, I, about I, that, I, but, I just yeah. want to add, I totally get why it sounds ridiculous for somebody to say, if, well, if it weren't for these four chances then like they, you know, the chance <laughs> creation was terrible, you know, it's like in yeah. football, it's like, God, if we just tackled in that game, I was like, well, that's the point. Like you didn't. <laughs> and, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, anyway, no, totally. Well, so what's your, what, oh, I guess you, yeah, you, we discussed it. Kind of the, a lot of the positives, uh, was it, was there anything else you wanted to add about? Yeah. What you liked let's in the game? talk about uh, a couple of more things, uh, in particular, the weird juxtaposition of losing Brad Kazan for as long as we're going to lose him for and bringing back 
Louise Edouzou and Emerson Hyman in the same breath. Right. Yeah. <laughs> such a weird mixed grab bag of things. It started with George Lopez showing up for some reason. I didn't know that was still a thing and went from there, man. I One of the most baffling games I've maybe ever been to. I had a great time. <laughs> had a great time. Louise back. Let's talk about Louise first, though, because I really only have one point on Emerson and you probably know what it is at this point. Yeah, I again, to, kind of to your point about them going down to 10 men, you almost kind of wish that they weren't down to 10 men and maybe there would have been some more opportunities for someone for Louise to do Louise Araujo things. Yeah. And the other thing, to be perfectly honest, like they're playing at the other end of the field in that half. So it's harder for me to like really kind of get detail on what's going on, what he's doing with the ball. But it seemed like he was pretty active and um, obviously good to see a player out there, you know, coming back from injury. No, it seemed very active, active and, and creative. He mm-hmm. came on and ended up as one of the top chance creators for Atlanta. Wow. I think largely based <laughs> In on like 30 minutes. Yeah. It, largely based on that final ball to, to Gutman. To Gutman. Gutman yeah. If Gutman had literally let it, hit him <laughs> i know, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it would have gone in and it almost like, like it, it looked like it came down to his left to foot like his, yeah. to his preferred foot it was crazy yeah it's like his brain told him you will never get a better chance to score isn't that crazy <laughs> wow what a moment oh boy yeah. here comes the ball time to kick it here you go oh god why did you not kick it <laughs> and then he did it he didn't do anything it's like um, the little giants the kid who can't catch the open pass so he has to practice with the toilet paper like we exactly. need to get some toilet paper getting crossed uh, into gutman exactly exactly so Whatever, but Louise looked promising. I thought he moved really well. I thought there were a couple of times where he ran onto balls and, and clearly still had every bit of pace and speed and didn't show any discomfort. That's really positive. And again, and we talked about it a lot. It's going to do a lot to balance this team out and, and make things more cohesive, I think. And I mm-hmm. think they were in general yesterday. I think I watched a lot of them. I watched a lot of Marcy and Almada throughout all of this, and they were not occupying the same spaces. Mm-hmm. as much for my eye anyway yeah. and i think a lot uh, of that was brooks Lennon getting forward caleb wiley getting forward and, and making things happen it looked to me like it was a tactical decision from pineda to have tiago play more on the right like kind of on the yes. right side of the pitch um and in the beginning of the game he was a little bit isolated but i didn't mind it a ton because you had so much good stuff going on between a lot of it was between moreno wiley and uh, and Gutman, and you just had good play there. So um, couldn't really complain. And then, yeah, I, I just thought the, the spacing was better. And then from that right side, he was able to make those diagonal runs I was talking about to the left side, which is maybe his more preferred side where he can be dangerous when he picks it up. So, uh, yeah, I thought that it was a nice little tactical tweak by Gonzalo Pineda and those players to to um, get some better spacing between them. It did help as well to have Ronaldo Cisneros making runs. Here's the thing, though. I, I think we've all kind of agreed. Ronaldo Cisneros, pretty fast. Ronaldo Cisneros, good at soccer. Oh, boy. <laughs> Not quite sure yet. Not quite sure yet. There were a few moments yesterday where I went, man, I don't think you meant to do that. Who is the player that Atlanta United signed on loan in 2019 from River Plate? Or was it from River Plate? I, from somewhere in Argentina. Um and he had a terrible MLS's back tournament. And he was like one of those players. He was just <laughs> ran with energy. But then like, yeah, just like couldn't finish front of goal. Not saying that Cincinnati is going to be that player, but those vibes were there. Uh, they were. I can't, I'm just killing me. I, really I can't, can't remember, remember who this about. is. I'm going to look it up. 
Was that the same dude who like um, ended up on like multiple highlight reels for for moves that he made and then got like cut like a few days later? <laughs> may have been. May have been. That was awesome. I miss that dude, whatever his name was. Um, um, yeah, no, I, I, I just wasn't. I appreciated the runs he was making. I think that's important. Again, it's nice to just see someone moving. That's yeah. always clutch. But in the end, not a long term solution, I don't think, is my thought. Manuel Castro was his name. I don't oh, know. yeah, that dude. That yeah. was the dude I was thinking of. Okay, okay. Uh, but yeah, no, like I mean, to your point, AJ. though, he was just with his movements, he was disrupting Cincinnati, you know, just like you mm-hmm. don't really necessarily. I mean, you do need the finishing touch eventually and would have helped in this one. But um, just to be able to have that disruption creates really good things for the team overall. So, right. Continue to do more of that. That'd be good. Yep. I- I'm totally cool with it. Totally cool. I kind of wish we saw Jackson at the end instead of Dom. That's a, that's a small gripe. He scored with uh, Lanny Knight too. Nice. See, that's why. That's <laughs> why. Uh, a couple other things to kind of note. I kind of handed out a second ago, but Emerson Hindman back as well. Not a whole lot noticeable from Emerson, except, of course, his, his workout routine continues to look solid and effective. <laughs> Dude, he has hit chest seven days a week yeah. for the last... It's 52 weeks. He, like from the press box, he barely looks like the same player. We were like, which one is he? I, I generally like, I, I literally a couple times went, wait, who is number 20? Oh, good shit. for him. Yeah, I love awesome. it. It's awesome. It's amazing. Dude, I'm doing a PPL routine, hit it six days a week, and it's just turned into a tank. I want to know how many calories he's been consuming today. Oh, Emerson, yeah. send me your workout routine, man, for sure. Um, <laughs> he should play a bigger role as this goes on. I imagine, Definitely. right? Because one of my, my takeaways, again, and this isn't necessarily his fault because he's being put in a tough position, but I don't think Amar Sadich has exactly. the physical ability or uh, just the ability overall to really be anything above replacement level for this Atlanta United team. Man, Sam, you're just picking up on more conversations that, that Felipe and I were having in the press box. <laughs> it was so funny. The only people in the press box on the English speaking side in the game where Felipe, me and Kyle Soto from, from Dirty South Soccer, Doug wasn't able to make it for some personal reasons. And you were gone just like out of happenstance, a bunch of people were missing. So it was kind of funny that it was just us three. So we were just kind of chatting through a lot of the game, but yeah, we were mentioning that where, you know, Sadich is, is strong. He's a, he's a good solid player in the middle in kind of those deeper areas. He moves the ball well, recycles it well, does all that. But what you were really missing in that game was just that little bit of quality in the final third, like around the edge of the box where I think in, uh, Emerson Hyman, just offers a little more. That's probably the areas that he likes to play in the most and where he can make a difference. So I think that he will make a big impact just, you know, if he can get more fit. And I think that he'll probably now with the shortages that the team has in combination with how well he seems to be coming back from his injury, he'll probably just not play with the twos. I think we may have been expecting him to play with the twos some, Mm -hmm. but they've got two game matches this week. He'll probably get time in at least one of them. Um, So I think that he'll probably just kind of have a, you know, Emer- or re- you know, reemergence into the team over the next. It'll probably be a longer draw-in, like a month or so. Uh, you know, of, of kind of steadily progressing him in. But um, I expect him to, from here on out, to be an impact sub, transitioning into a, a full-time starter. Completely agree. Completely agree. And yeah, that that timeline got accelerated so quickly as mm-hmm. soon as the news release came across that Ozzy was out and Hasetti was out. Mm-hmm. And that they need him to be back and back to playing how he kind of was right before the ACL injury. Yeah. Just being relatively effective from what I remember anyway. I think we were pretty high on him that year before it all kind of came crashing down. So hopefully yeah. we'll see more good things. 
from Emerson. Let's talk real quick. Hopefully we're already like 50 minutes into the episode. And we haven't gotten the freaking <laughs> break yet for a nil nil draw. What's wrong with us? We're broken. Let's talk about Amada right quick. Uh, again, I, I think I already mentioned, I thought their spacing was better. And this one in the end, not his most effective start. And it's very, very short tenure. Uh, I think we got more of a taste of him maybe not being necessarily a finisher, which is, you know, what we understood him to be anyway. I still think I still think the Carlos Heel comp is really good. Mm-hmm. It's really good for what he can be potentially. Mm-hmm. Right now he's kind of like a like a middle class Carlos Heel, I think. But you know, he's nineteen, whatever, yeah. right? He has got plenty of time to grow into this and be that kind of extreme creator, uh, to the point where like he could end up with like three goals and like 15, 16 assists, you know, in mm-hmm. an ideal world, like he yielded last year to win MVP, you know, that's where he's at. And I think we saw that with a couple of missed chances that were not well taken at all. Yeah. Uh, I know there was the one shot kind of from the edge of the box that was just dragged just a bit wide. Uh, that's the one that stands out in my mind. And to me, I just wish he had taken one extra touch. I kind of like it shows something about the confidence to just try to take that ball first time. Um, how Lennon had Lennon had rolled it to him, but honestly, he had so much space he could have taken another touch and just made it a lot more difficult for Can just just closing the distance mm-hmm. there. Um, so and I thought again, that was that's that, like totally fine. Like he's getting into positions. He's, he's yeah. going to get a few of those. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I really, I like the movement from him and I just thought, mm-hmm. you know, again, in this game, I just thought he was not as involved as we've seen him the last couple. And I think part mm-hmm. of it was just the tactical situation that played out. And again, I'm just, I'm not again, complaining about it because totally thing, fine when you yeah, create yeah. as many, well, you know, as many somewhat chances as Atlanta created. Yeah. You know, I'm cool with it. Yeah. I'm cool with it. Yeah. Um, Man, we gotta fight. Mar- we gotta fight about Marcy. I thought he was pretty bad. I okay. thought he was. I thought he was one of Atlanta's worst players in the game. Um, you pulled a stat on Twitter that said he was dispossessed seven times. Yeah, uh, that came from Front Mob, by the way. Front Mob. Okay, I, I couldn't quite pick up the same read from from Opta. Um, I saw three unsuccessful dribbles, but here's a point I would like to make. It's just a point, right? I think there is some visual bias to when people are dispossessed off the dribble. Sure. And how people react to that. And I want to make a larger point here by saying that, you know, as long as those are happening in ways that are attempts to unlock the defense and attempts to make things happen, I think I'm okay with it. Because, and this is why, I want to read to you the list of... uh, Turnovers last year, okay. right? This is the this is the number of turnovers. Leader by far, ninth percentile, Abel Reynoso. Right below that, Lucas Celerion. <laughs> right below that, Max Morales. Right below that, Lucho Acosta. Right below that, Julian Gressel. Right below that, Valentin Castellanos. Right below that, Karas Yil. George Mihailovic, Hani Mukhtar, Marcelino Moreno. Good players get on the ball and try to make things happen. Totally. You know, and that's I think that's okay for a TAM player who does a lot of good things and and continues to create enough chances over and over again. I get the understanding that, you know, people see the the missed opportunities on some attacks. Right. And I get that people get frustrated when people are dispossessed off the dribble, but he continues to make things happen or at least try to. 
And on a team that's largely been bad <laughs> for a long time, I, I think it's understandable that some of those wouldn't come off in the way that you'd hope. And as the team gets better, hopefully he will be not only more effective, but maybe a less integral part of needing to do that. You know? Mm-hmm. And so far this year, I mean, he's, he's 52nd in the league in turnovers. Right? He hasn't been the total turnover machine I think some people think he is. You know? Yeah. Um, to the extent that it would be like damaging, which is still like all getting sorted out. And again, I, I bet you'll probably see something very similar at the end of the year to what you saw last year with the amount of turnovers and everything like that, which, you know, isn't the best stat in the world, but I think it illustrates what I'm trying to get at, hopefully. <clears throat> so from my perspective, um, well said, I don't necessarily disagree with any of it, really. Um, in the game last night, he, as I said, dispossessed seven times. Um, I think one of the things that frustrates me with Moreno more than anything, and it's fascinating because it doesn't seem like his personality at all, just off the field. He's a, you know, very quiet guy seems incredibly, just like nice. He's like best friends with Machop Chol, which is like the most adorable friendship on this team. Um, but like, there's nothing defensively from Marcelino Moreno, like, <laughs> like, like do right. something like you're, 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 you know, a midfielder. I, I, I right? can confirm like, this by the, the by the FB ref charts that we've looked at in the past that he is just absolutely non-existent. He attempted one tackle, didn't didn't win it. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Overall, he was five of sixteen in ground duels in the game. Three of those wins, three of the five wins, were him getting fouled. Um, he was only one for four in his dribbles, which honestly, that's like fewer dribbles than he normally attempts. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it was just for those reasons, honestly. I know a lot of people will give him crap for the penalty. Um, I thought it was a fine penalty. Like, I just thought he got super unlucky. In fact, you know, I was talking about the expected goals on target there. The expected goals on target for that shot was 0.99. Like, that shot goes in almost every single time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, he got canned. (laughs) 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 Um, So, so I'm not even going to knock him for the penalty, which is probably what a lot of people will knock him for. For me, it's Mm -hmm. just... He'll lose the ball or somebody and there's just not a lot of not a lot of defensive like instincts to want to go <laughs> win the ball. Yeah. So um, he definitely sees yeah. himself as more of like a the, the like kind of the leader of the attack. Totally. And, you know, in the ends, when it comes down to it, I think I understand the arguments to potentially, you know, have Almada be in the central as a, a center of like a four, two, three, one as a natural 10. Right. With a couple wingers on either side of him. But frankly, don't maybe have those right now at least not for sure i could see a world where like wiley and erushu on either side of each other you know and that being somewhat effective and, and maybe at that point you maybe do take marcy off right uh but all the issues with like that uh being a personnel problem in the first place and having to make that choice kind of come down to the roster construction in general right and our concerns yeah. about amada and marcy being too much of the same person yeah, you know, yeah, and, which is well, true to some extent, but they do different things. Yeah, and it's like it's just one of those things where I feel like Moreno is a less um, malleable player. Like you can't you you can't do as you can't tinker with his position as much, and maybe how that affects mm-hmm. your overall tactics, just because he kind of has a very specific skill set of what he does. And again, we've talked about it many times. Like I'm not trying to you know 
ridicule the guy like he's obviously a super talented player and i'm not trying to say he's like a bad player or anything like that but he's just not as versatile he doesn't have the all-around game that someone like a tiago amada has so you can play tiago amada on the left on the right in the middle you know you, you can kind of move him around because he's a little bit more well-rounded just in his technical skill and um Honestly, just like his pressuring and stuff seems better to me than than Moreno, which is, again, is shocking because it just doesn't seem like it would be the case just based on Moreno's personality. You would think he's because he's so quiet and humble and all that stuff. So it's just kind of a just a weird one. Um, but yeah, I don't that, know. that might be the, the epitaph on Marcelino Moreno's career. In <laughs> just, a weird one. just a weird one. Just a weird one. I mean, he'll probably I, I, I could see that coming to an end. At some point here in the mm. future, if they do decide they can find more balance and a better structured team. But mm. for now, he's what we got. And I think yeah. it's largely effective. It needs to be understood by all you people who are, are so, so mean to my poor boy, Marcy. Well, if I think he had a poor game in this one, it probably means that he's going to come out next week and have an amazing game. So at least we got that. <laughs> well, it's fun to look forward to that. It's fun to look forward to that. It's fun to look forward to this. A quick break. It is a quick break because we didn't do need to tell you guys about Lucid FC, our presenting po- partner on Five Stripe Final. They have a new sock collection out now on lucidfc.us. So go to their website. That's Lucid Footwear and Clothing, lucidfc.us, and check out this new socks collection. Socks knitted in America with American cotton, domestic manufacturing, and proudly affordable socks individually made with care. Individually made socks. You got to love that. And also, we announced this last week, but every Saturday in April, Lucid FC is doing a pop-up store on Fort. 14th and Howell Mill before the match with a handful of other local businesses. Uh, market vibes, I hear, from 1 p.m. to 6 p.m. every Saturday this month of April. So tell them that Dirty South Soccer sent you. Not Five Stripe Final necessarily, but just Dirty South Soccer. And they'll have a special gift for you. How about that? So go check them out. Um, it's Chet and Bets to Heart. That's who you'll want to tell. Uh, and they'll set you up. Uh, they've got a shop in Buckhead that's open by appointment or walk in from 1 to 8 p.m. daily. Located behind Buckhead Whole Foods at 3209 Paces Ferry Place. And if you are ordering online at lucidfc.us, you can use DSS as your season-long promo code for free shipping inside the United States. Socks are one of those things that you don't know dude, how much you want good socks until you have good socks. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like you no. live your life thinking that like, okay, these are these are fine. I don't care. They have yeah. in them. Et yeah. And then you get nice socks and you're like, wow, what have I been doing? I heard the commoner with my bad socks. I heard that Barry Sanders never wore a pair of socks twice, which I guess you can do if you're if you've Barry made Sanders. a lot of money. Yeah. The old football player. Enough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, a new pair of socks is amazing. It's so good. So, so good. I, I hope that's the free gift. Honestly, it's like a cloud. Honestly, it is. It is. Uh, we'll be on cloud nine once we answer all these questions. Joe Patrick, am I right? Sure. Was that? that was like a four out of <laughs> ten. Good. Again, I'm getting worse at this, I think. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, look, let's get to these questions. It's already been a long show. We'll kind of knock them out. There aren't a ton to get to. B. Moulton Hall says, I felt good, not great about the game, but the chances we had and numbers in the box just need to finish better. Am I wrong for feeling encouraged with chance creation? I think we kind of beat that to death in the first round. Can yeah. we talk about the numbers in the box? Right sure. click? Sure. What do you think? I, I don't know. I, I think there were moments where I... Can be better. Yeah, when it, that that could have been better. I, I understand why folks were kind of sitting around. And again, watching like LAFC today, just put a beat down on SKC. Just noticing, not a, the players don't only get into the box; they're making different types of runs. 
into the mm. box. So if one guy is going diagonal, one guy is moving into space in zone 14, one guy is making a vertical run, there are different actions happening that pull apart that back line. And that's yep. not what Atlanta is doing right now. It kind of seems like they're casually drifting into the box, mm-hmm. which leads to some of the lazy crosses, not lazy crosses, just ineffective crosses from the fullbacks and wingers, you know? So I would like to see not only getting into the box, but runs into the box from various angles and directions. So glad you brought that up because this really struck me as a thought in the first half of the game when they were kind of attacking on our end. I thought back to the Tata Martino years and just seeing uh, Julian Gressel in a lot of the same exact positions that Brooks Lennon was in in the game, which are great positions, the, the, the primary assist zones. And it's not necessarily that Brooks Lennon is like, well, I mean, he probably is worse at delivering the cross just because Julian is like elite at doing that exact thing. But also it just struck me that he has way less options than Julian Gressel had. Julian Gressel would always have like Tito Villalba buzzing around, making like crazy runs. Uh, Joseph Martinez always being an option at the back post. Somebody coming to the spot. There was always like three different options for 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 Gressel. And I noticed in that game last night, like sometimes Lennon would get into those areas and there's really like only one, maybe two people um, kind of getting into the box looking to get on the end of it so i go back to that gonzalo pineda quote where he says um uh i need there to be a connection i need them to find someone in the box either with a cutback or across the far post well you you need players who are making those runs um and sometimes they were there but they were definitely were not always there and it's just definitely something that can be improved totally totally uh yeah that's that's kind of all i got on that all can be improved right getting better all the time World Series champ Nick asks, can you guys decipher what the reasoning was behind overloading the left side with Gutman, Wiley, Marcy, and Almada? Basically having no one but Brooks to cover the whole right side. If we'd started anyone at right wing, would it have been better? Also, I am sad. Nick, don't be sad. Remember, you're World Series champ, Nick. That's plenty enough reason <laughs> to be happy. Uh, I thought, again, one, the spacing was better. I think I mentioned that already, but I'm totally cool with Brooks kind of being isolated as long as people are going to hit those diagonals and those switches. Yeah. Uh, Akshay was talking about in the discord a, a moment and I know what he was talking about because I saw it a couple times where George Campbell looked like diagonal curious like he looked <laughs> like he was thinking about maybe playing the long ball to Brooks mm-hmm. over the top into space which there was plenty of in this one and just didn't do it uh, there's got to be more bravery in that there's got to be more instinct with that and there's got to be simply a better placed ball where someone on the wing can run into it and really get the center backs running backwards towards their own goal. It's really to unsettle everything. Yeah, totally. I don't have a ton to add other than I would just say that like Lennon to me was essentially operating like a winger in the attack. Um, Even though I know technically he was at right back, but the whole shape was getting pulled so far to that left side. There was so much space for him. I thought they did a a fine job finding him uh, in those spaces. And I thought he had, you know, several chances to make something happen, but it kind of goes back to what we were just talking about in the last question. So I wasn't this, I wasn't displeased with the way that the team uh, necessarily played overall. Just, I think some, some fine tuning will make a big difference for this team. Speaking of fine tuning, Logan, the Shogun asked to my eye, the press and counter press looked better yesterday. Any other silver linings to this game? First, I want to address the first one. I didn't necessarily think it was all that much better. All considered. I think there were moments where Cincinnati really found a lot of space and transitions. And in that first half, especially I left thinking if that was any other team that isn't, you know, Cincinnati, that could have been really bad. Yeah. It, it could have been really dangerous. Yeah. I mean, I just think about, you know, 
one of the better teams in the league, getting a chance on the break like a Nashville or something like that, and having all that space in front of him with a numbers advantage. And, and since he had a lot of numbers advantages, it could have been worse. I thought uh, Atlanta was pretty poor, actually, in kind of like breaking or kind of getting caught by Cincinnati's press um, and Cincinnati yes. forced them mm-hmm. into some mistakes that led directly to chances for Cincinnati. Like um, I think uh, Santiago Sosa was caught on one. George Campbell was caught on one, just like forced into a poor pass that results in a turnover and a chance for Cincinnati. So I thought that in terms of like pressing for both teams, I thought that that was where uh, Atlanta struggled. And, you know, it never, I don't know about Atlanta's pressing. I would just say I'd never really, was struck by it at any point in the game being like, Oh yeah, that was, that was great pressing right there to, to win the ball back. I never really, I don't feel like I had many of those moments in the game. Yeah. That, that's one of those moments where I kind of wish Abara had started over Sadich. Yeah. Just because he is more I think, of a destroyer in that way. I wonder if, you know, Logan, I don't want to try to put thoughts in your head, but like uh, at the, by the end of the game, when, when Cincinnati was down to 10 men, then it was like Atlanta just smothering them, you know? So maybe mm-hmm. like that can kind of, um, be the last impression that people had in the game. That was definitely true. But the other uh, silver linings in this game was the second part of that one. I think we kind of touched on a lot of it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like we've had a pretty positive show considering it was uh, <laughs> dropped two points and um, uh, a pretty tragic injury. Other than that, um, I think we have been pretty positive about the game. This is not on think. brand for us. Look at that. <laughs> Full surprises, five strike final. Like this surprise right now, Joe Patrick. This is Rapid Fire. Derek Green asks, is good. oh, God, this one's sad. Let's not do that one. John Mason asks, seller's remorse on Colin. Uh, no, not really. Like I said, no you, one could have really seen yesterday coming. Well, kind of. You didn't really sell him, technically. I mean. That's true. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Taylor Henry asks, can we get Rocco Rios Nova back? It would have been better if keeper would be a good fit i'm still interested in justin garces and what he can do uh, coming out of ucla and had a decent career there i think maybe wasn't the best from what i understand but uh obviously been a guy who's been in the academy for a long time would, would love to see what he can do yeah uh Vicente reyes played on that kind of famous now u17 national team that had andrew carlton and chris goslin on it yeah. if anybody uh if it strikes anybody uh, if his name is like Reminisce anybody. Um, uh, Vicente Reyes also just did want to add he has caps for Peru's youth team, um, their international team. I think they're U21s, I want to say, is the size he's gotten there. I don't think he has a full cap for the senior Rapid team. So, anyways. <laughs> Ryan yeah. asks Am I the only one sick of high looping crosses from Brooks, especially when we don't have anyone playing whose strength is heading the ball? If we could swap Moreno for a TAM level right back we would be in business brooks has been probably about tam level as far as right backs go if i uh, maybe not quite that high i guess if we were thinking about production anyway but there's no guarantee that guy's gonna be good and brooks has been pretty good i think we've talked in the past about our own issues with the, the way he crosses the ball at times but it's getting better i guess those are the kinds of crosses that that do drive me nuts but he's been making more of the good crosses this year i feel like mm-hmm. the more like early whipping crosses so yeah, yeah. i feel Again, like Ryan. If you can get in the primary assist zones and, and start cutting it back like yeah. Manuel was trying to do a few times that's gonna work eventually just trust me yeah logan the show gonna ask what if we ran every chance there andrew gutman buddy we're trying <laughs> we're trying he, he, so good. He, he attacks so consistently and gets back and never seems to tire i am still concerned that he ended up being striker a lot yesterday uh but it is what it is <laughs> yeah joe thoughts yeah okay cool 
ATL Greg one says, can we get a summary on Achilles? Not the body part, but the ancient Greek hero. My understanding is that Achilles got dipped into some kind of like that that had some kind of superpower kind of thing. Like think like, oh, like superpower getting dropped into a vat of acid. Like I have these powers now. But the way they did it was they were holding him by his heel. Imagine right? getting, so when they getting dipped dunked in, by your feet. <laughs> so when they did that, they didn't uh, get the Achilles. So that was the one part on him that was still human. Hence the Achilles heel. I still right. love the, the movie Troy. That's correct. I, the movie Troy, which has starring starring Brad Pitt as Achilles. Love that movie. Maybe Hell it's like yeah. more than like my like it's like classic like my era college dorm room um, <laughs> DVD rack. DVD rack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Alongside <laughs> DVD like rack on the Xbox. Kill Bill, and Days a poster. Four yeah. Year Old Virgin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and Boondock Saints. Boon- oh, Boondock classic. Saints. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, Sasquatch Hopscotch, great name. Ask which former Atlanta United players bungled departure resulted in the bad juju that the team is currently drowning in. We need a name so that we can call it the Blank Curse or the Curse of Blank. I'm going to say Tatar Gressel. It's not the departure, Sasquatch Hopscotch. It's the arrival. The arrival of a looming figure clad in white and bad feelings and, and evil. Spike the dog entered our lives and it's been worse ever since. <laughs> Tony, Man, Don Staley saying, "Ask who's the captain now, Tony? Look at me. I'm the captain now." <laughs> Ty Quinn ask over under on the eventual fee Andrew or Atlanta United will receive for Caleb Wiley eight and a half million dollars. Over under eight and a half million. That's I, a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. But what did what did Bello go for? Two five something like yeah. that. Yeah. I know they eight had offers. I know they had offers close, like closer to eight and a half than what they ended up getting for him. And I'm going to go over. I think I think Wiley's better. I think it's probably under, but it there's a chance it could go way over. Like there's a chance it could be like yeah. much higher. You know, there's a chance it could be like there's a chance it could be Alfonso Davies territory. Right. Yeah. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Michael Biederman asks, we have lost two of our three bald players in the last few weeks. What task will Rob Valentino <laughs> give Andrew Gutman? <laughs> To break the curse. I like to think that Andrew Gutman actually wanted like bald supremacy, right? And so this is like his way of like getting the rest of the balds out of the way. So now Andrew Gutman <laughs> reigns supreme. And that was rapid fire, I think, unless Joe had any other thoughts. I was going to say, Gutman strikes me as a guy who could easily just like regrow a full head of hair. Like he's like not even balding, <laughs> but like he it. just does it yeah. because he's that much of a hard ass. Yeah. Love it. Love it, love it. All right. So, Patrick, this was a long one for a normal draw. Any last thoughts before we get out of here? No. Go Braves. That's my only thought. They're losing 2 nothing right now. Hopefully that changes by the time you listen to this. Go listen to more stuff on patreon.com slash five stripe final. Whole lot of stuff there. Again, I think the, the on review stuff is going over well with the videos. I think the training ground reports from awesome. me and Joe are going well. Uh, we'll have maybe a couple of those since... Atlanta United does have a U.S. Open Cup two medias. on the way. Yep. Yep. So yep. Gonzalo Pineda will talk Monday as well as Friday. So we'll have a couple of those for you. Then a uh, whole lot of good stuff coming away. And eventually a doctor. Patreon.com slash five stripe final. We appreciate y'all. Let's get out of here and let's play the, the Jeff clip that got so quoted by Atlanta United social media. Did you see that? That was cool. No. Wait, what, what, wait, I, what, what was it? Hold on. What was it? So it's that clip where he says, thanks for listening to this totally arbitrary internet oh, content. Oh, okay. Dude, 
I got to tell you, a Jeff, okay, we've already kind of wrapped up, but I got to tell this story. I was when I was watching the highlight, everybody go back and watch the Atlanta United versus Cincinnati highlights on MLS. And it's probably the same on Atlanta United's uh, YouTube account. When they're coming back in from halftime, they've got the Chick-fil-A keys to the half or whatever. And it was like something about like fouls. And so it just has like, you know, like draw fouls or whatever. And uh, Jeff just says, could have spelled fouls with a W there. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, everyone, to this completely arbitrary internet content piece. <laughs>